Welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a weekly podcast for writers. Grab a cup of coffee, perhaps some paper and pen, and enjoy an interview with an author, a chat with a writing tool creator, perhaps a conversation with an editor or other publishing expert, as well as Kat's thoughts on writing and her own creative journey. You'll laugh, you'll cry, well, hopefully not actually cry, but you will probably learn something. And I hope you'll be inspired to write because as I always say, you have a story, you should write it down. This is Pencils and Lipstick. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. We are on episode 119, and it is February 20th as I record this. Yes, I'm coming down to the wire on this recording this week, much, I'm sure, to my (laughs) editor's chagrin because I kind of forgot. So I want to talk to you guys as I talk about all the things that I forget about accountability and how you keep up with all the things that you have to do as an indie writer. If you're a creative in any sense of the word, as we've seen in the first two years of this podcast, when I would interview a lot of different creative entrepreneurs, there is a lot that goes into building the business, right? And if you are an indie author, you are a creative entrepreneur. There isn't much leeway in that, honestly, unless you have the funds to you know, hire everyone who can do everything else for you except for write. You spend your day not only writing, but making sure all of your links work on your website, making sure you have the right pages on your website, making sure that every place that you've uploaded your book is correct and working, making sure that the payment system is working, doing your social media, writing up newsletters, collaborating with other authors, possibly writing up blogs or creating podcasts, or vlogs, or live streams, or reels. I don't know. However you have found a way to find that audience. I know some authors are doing TikTok. We're wearing so many hats in order to find a way in front of the readers, right? We're constantly looking for readers to find our books because we want people to read our books. So in the creative writing community, we started this channel called Accountability. And really, it's just a place to make the list of the things that you need to get done that week. And I don't know about you guys, but I constantly forget about all the little things that have to be done. I can kind of remember the big things, but I forget about the little things. And so I don't write them down. And I usually find the little things pop up as I'm trying to do the big things, if that makes sense. So, you know, making sure I'm trying to get the print out of coffee stains after a lot of hiccups with a certain publishing software of which I I'm not going to name them because I'm not completely upset with them. I I still use them, but uh, I I'm, I am a little upset with them. (laughs) Let's just be honest uh, with, the whole paperback formatting and all this, there was a big deal between them and Ingram Spark and whether or not they could upload my book and 
without a whole lot of reason, they decided that they couldn't, but that decision took about three months to come to. Anyway, so I, I am uploading it to Ingram Spark and I'm trying to take my time to really make sure it's all perfect. Now, it's amazing how many little things can happen. As I almost uploaded my book and clicked OK, I just did one more check through and I had a QR code in there twice, one right after the other. How? I don't know. I don't know how this happens. And then, of course, as I fixed that and went to export it again, then the exporting didn't work. <laughs> so <laughs> there's all these little things, right? I forget how, well, I can write a blog post, right? But then I have to find, I have to make up like the media to it. I don't know why I find it really difficult to come up with a SEO title on the blog post. And this week I kind of forgot to, to record this intro and I didn't make it on my list either. I forgot to put on the list my newsletter, but I did get it written. <laughs> I did actually get it written. I forgot to put in there a meeting that I had. Uh, it's just funny. It's all these, all these little things, right? A lot of times what I really wish I could do is just write, but I am trying to make it a habit to make these lists and everyone else in the group is uh, making these lists as a habit and we're trying to catch each other, you know, as we get things done. In fact, I forgot to go back and click things off. So it looked like I hadn't done anything two weeks ago. And my group said, Hey, 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 did you not get anything done? And I said, no, actually <laughs> I did get things done. I just have to go back and click them off. And honestly, it feels so good to click them off that it's almost addicting to, you know, put more things on the list, get them done. <laughs> so how do you stay accountable? How do you write out your list? I used to really use my agenda. And I, I'm not using my agenda as much anymore. And I'm not sure that that's a good thing. Honestly, I probably should get back into that habit. But how do you do it? Do you write things down? Do you have it all in your head? Do you use an agenda? Do you have an accountability group? It's funny because if you're working on your first book, you might not realize how many little things go into getting a book up there just to get a book. So if you, if you finish your drafts, all the drafts and it's finally clean and polished. <laughs> so we're, we're going past the editing on your own part, the editing with an editor part, the possibly line edit to make sure the grammar is there, the running it through AI once more to make sure the grammar is still there. You know, getting your cover, writing the back of the book, the book blurb, writing up your author bio, writing up the landing page where people can find your book, announcing it, writing up, making up all of the graphics you know, to announce your book. And then you have to upload it everywhere. And you have to decide, you know, if you're going KU or going wide, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And then once you launch it, you have to find the people who are going to help you launch it. Have that whole week of launching or month of launching. I actually recommend to quite a few authors to just take your time and make it a month, constantly be telling people about it, you know, collaborating with other people, all these things. If you're still in the process of writing the book, you might not realize how many things go into juggling the life of an indie author. If you have already published your book, you already know this. So, you know, how have you found that accountability? How have you found that balance? Madison, Michael, and I were talking, she's in my group, and we were talking the other day of 
more or less, it's kind of 50-50. As much as we'd like to be writing 90% of the time, we try to write 50% of the time and spend the other 50% doing what we call marketing, but really it's just everything else. (laughs) So not to discourage all of you out there who haven't gotten to that point yet, but just know it's coming. It will take a lot. You got to make sure, you know, your KDP links are up. That's Amazon and your Barnes and Noble and your Kobo and making sure that the the new letter swaps that you've signed up for are working properly and the links are all working properly and all that. Besides, you know, you're writing and you're collaborating with others and getting your next book together and interacting with maybe your readers and all that, you know. So how do you stay accountable to all the things that you have to do And if you are looking for a group in which you can talk about this stuff, like all week, we've had two authors launch their books. I'm going to be telling you about one of them in just a second. So we've talked a lot about all the little things, you know, you know, they come and say, what am I forgetting? Okay. What else do I have to do? And we would go through stuff because it's so much to keep in your own head. I'm so glad that we have each other in the group to bounce, you know, these questions off of and ideas off of and okay, you know, what else should I be doing? And people have some fabulous ideas. I mean, absolutely fabulous ideas in the group. It's really wonderful to have people to go to. I highly recommend you find a writing group. I personally recommend the creative writing community, as you well know, and you can find the links in the show notes below. If you are looking for a community, but wherever you are, find a place where you can talk out loud about all the things that go into it and where you can have somebody, you know, just the accountability is really just asking you a question. Did you get it done? You know, that's it. That's all that accountability really needs to be, right? Nobody needs to be your mother. We're not looking to coach each other. We're just, hey, did you get it done? Oh, you know, what are you what are you doing to do your marketing? How are you getting your writing done? You know, and if you didn't get it done, what happened this week? Are you doing okay? What's going on? You know, checking up on each other. It's just, it's nice to have that there. So I have two really, really fun announcements. I'm going to try to not forget (laughs) them. First, I want to talk to you guys about Madison Michael, who I mentioned before. She is in the creative writing community. I am so excited to have met her. We've known each other now for almost a year. And she did this awesome thing where she went back and took her very first series. And I think she was super courageous to go back, open them up, make sure that everything was fine, redo the covers and relaunch them. Now your very first book that you ever write, a lot of times people never bring it out into public. I don't know how many authors I've talked to where they say, no, no, no. I have my very first book on my computer. It will never see the light of day. It's already really courageous for indie authors to pretty much bring out their very first book because a lot of times we don't know what we don't know. And we're trying our best and we're getting there and we all want to do better and better every time, right? So Madison wrote this in 2016 and she got it out there and she got some feedback about maybe tightening up the story a little bit. The storyline hasn't changed much, but you know, she's learned a lot since 2016. And just like Desiree Holt told us a few weeks ago, she's taken her first few books and tightened them up and made some changes and made sure that they you know, we're up 
to snuff, honestly, in comparison to the books that came later. And I just thought that that was really awesome for her to have admitted to us, have told us. And I think it's a really great idea. I don't think that we should just leave behind the book that maybe for some people, it doesn't really make a big splash or there might be some reviews out there because you just don't know enough where people sort of give you ideas or say, oh, you have you know a couple of mistakes here. Believe me when I tell you readers, it is so difficult to get a book perfect. I honestly don't know how the publishing houses do it. That's why probably it just takes so long to get a book out under publishing houses because gosh, it is so, our eyes just don't see full words and it's very difficult to get a completely error-free book. It's not impossible. It just takes a lot of work. So I want to say congratulations and kudos to Madison Michael. This book is a really fun book. And in fact, it didn't need a whole lot of work. It just, it has a new cover on it. She tightened it up a little bit, made sure that there were no errors whatsoever in it. Again, it's very hard. (laughs) It's a lot of work. And this book is called Be Dazzled. It is a beguiling bachelor's romance and it is book one. Now, if you go over to madisonmichael.com and the link will be in the show notes, you'll find the sort of prelude to the series and you can get it completely for free, but be dazzled. Let's read what this book is about. Is Keeley's misstep a tumble into true love? Feisty Keeley Larson has nothing more to lose. She's left her home, her family, and her job to pursue a solo career as a jewelry designer. She's poured her last dime into the new venture, but reserved her heart for an unattainable Prince Charming. He's Chicago's most eligible bachelor, a real ladies' man who doesn't know she exists. He's a billionaire to boot. She can't even afford a warm winter coat. Wyatt Lyons, How the Fourth, has nothing more to gain. The handsome billionaire has everything money can buy. Groomed as heir to a far-reaching family empire, sexy, successful, and brilliant, he wins at everything but arguments with his father. Wyatt is weighed down by responsibility that rests heavily on shoulders that don't want the burden. This beguiling bachelor is suffocating under family expectations, including an unwanted fiance. Keely is sinking under debt, Wyatt under privilege, until a one-minute elevator ride and a misplaced hand alter the trajectory of their lives. The unknown Keely is on her Prince Charming's radar at last. She needs him. He wants her. Or is the opposite true? What if she's seeking a bankroll? What about his love him and leave him reputation? Can Wyatt risk his heritage, family, and fortune for a starving artist who stumbled into his life? Here's this sexy, satisfying roller coaster ride that results when two people destined never to meet find themselves bedazzled. I absolutely love that book blurb. So if you are into steamy romance that involves a billionaire and a girl looking for Prince Charming, check out Bedazzled. I'll have the link in the show notes where you can buy it. And if you want to start with the prelude to the series, you can head over to madisonmichael.com, sign up for her newsletter and get that for free. The other news that I have for you is 
I am so excited. This starts February 22nd, the InfoStack Writer's Craft 3.0. If you don't know what InfoStack is, it is basically a company that brings together a lot of courses and ebooks and software and puts it under a theme. So for writers, it's all about writing, all the writing things that you can possibly think of into one bundle. And they just, they lower the price to basically pennies. So what I'm so excited about is I've not only had quite a few writer's craft in my life. In fact, it's how I've figured out how to use pro writing aid. I figured out how to use campfire. Uh, what else? Plotter. I've gotten through it. I've gotten quite a few other social media things and courses like a book launch course, a marketing course. I've bought two of these bundles already. And the greatest thing I find is that, you know, you get all these different options and you can, because it, it starts out at $49 for the bundle for the first three days. Even if only one of them works out for you, which that's never the case. I've always found like six, seven, eight, nine, ten that work for me that I really love. It's well worth the money. And it's a great economical way to look into different courses, to look into different ebooks on writing or software and figure them out, see if they're for you and not feel like you've totally wasted all your money. If you were to buy all of these separate, um, let's see what's in this form. The best-selling blurb formula by Rebecca Hamilton's in it. The three-story method, Foundations of Fiction by Jay Thorne, who's been on the podcast before. Writing Great Chapters by Daniel David Wallace. There's exclusive bonuses from Plotter, which is a plotting software. Bublish for one-year access. The Novel Factory, you could get one-year access there. And guess what? I got to contribute, prompted the writing sprints fiction course that I created, which is on my website that you can buy for $47. But for $49, the first three days, you can get all of these things. There's like, I'm looking at this list. There's like 35 (laughs) looks like different softwares and bonuses and resources that you can get. It's unbelievable. So what I'm super excited about is not only do I get to look at all these things and see if I want them for myself, but I got to contribute. I know. I am really excited about it. I'm excited that they thought that it was valuable enough to put in there. They're really great to work with. So I'm really excited to provide that course. So my prompted writing sprints fiction course has 25 prompts in it. It's for fiction. They are videos. It's like a little video course that you go through. And I talk about the prompt and how you can use the prompt in different ways, honestly. And, you know, then I suggest to you that you set the timer and you just write whatever comes to your head, whatever comes to your head after you watch the video and then see where the story goes from there. So I'm excited to have contributed to it. I'm excited to tell you guys about it. The link for it will be in the show notes. Because I'm a contributor, I'm also an affiliate now. So for you know, no more price to you, if you buy through my link, I will get some of the proceeds to that. Just a, another way to collaborate. It's a great way for authors to earn a little money on the side. And I invest it into this podcast. Obviously, feel free to do whatever you want. No pressure. But if you are a writer, 
I would check it out because there are so many things, so many resources in there, so many courses by really big name people like Jessica Snyder, Jay Thorne, Brian Collins, Daniel David Wallace, Julie Christensen, Kat Caldwell. Hello. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm so humble. All right. This week, I'm also very excited to bring to you my interview with Vicki Quinn. I heard her on Emma Desi's um, summit, I guess, or masterclass summit, I guess. And she talks a lot about creative nonfiction. She works with people who have a story to tell that is nonfiction, whether it's for their business, whether it's a passion of theirs. And I find creative nonfiction can sometimes be very difficult because you're so close to the storyline. It's you usually, right? And the thing is, when people read nonfiction, they still want to read a story. And Vicky has a great sense of humor. And she has a podcast as well that I will link down in the show notes because it, it is a great resource for anyone looking to write creative nonfiction because she talks about how you don't want boring memoirs and you don't want boring nonfiction because nobody will want to read it. So I think you're really going to enjoy this interview with Vicki. I think that you would really enjoy her podcast as well, which I will have linked up in the show notes. So what a full week. It is very awesome. But without further ado, let's listen to the interview. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast. I'm very excited to have Vicki Frazier on from Moxie Books. Hello, Vicki. How are you doing? Hi, Kat. I'm good. Thank you. I love your podcast title, by the way. I oh, think it's thank fun. you. Thank you. I love Moxie Books, by the way. And I actually know what Moxie means. So. <laughs> but I do have to check just in case we have the same definitions. <laughs> Um, I would love to hear a little bit about, obviously, about your ghostwriting and how you work with writers, but could you tell people a little bit about where, who you are and where you're from? Yeah, um, my name is Vicky. I am from the UK, um, from farming country in the middle of the UK, and I am a writer, book coach, and ghostwriting. Um, well, I, I do a little bit of ghostwriting, but yeah, writer and book coach. I think it's amazing that you do ghostwriting. <laughs> you know, when you, when you ghostwrite for someone, when you're writing for someone else in their voice and like capturing the essence of them, it's like, that's, that to me sounds very complicated, but is that the first thing that you did when you got into writing was ghostwriting for others? It was, yeah. So um, I, after a series of unfortunate events, I started my own business as a copywriter and marketing okay. consultant, um, learned the craft of copywriting, um, Was we did that pretty successfully for a few years, but it wasn't, I didn't love it enough to become amazing at it. And um, at some point, some point along the way, one of my clients said, oh, I'd like to write a book. Can you write it for me? And I had never done anything like that. And just went, yes, okay, I'll, I will do that. <laughs> um, and um, that was how that started. I've still got that first book. It's up on that shelf behind me. And <laughs> I keep it because it's just a reminder of kind of where, where I started. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that, that was how that started. And I did both things together. I did um I kind of took me a long time to let go of copywriting completely and be and just kind of really commit to this is what I love this is what I'm here to do is to help put more books into the world more books by people who are traditionally you know ignored by mainstream publishing and the mainstream media and and so yeah it took me a little while but I eventually left copywriting behind and this is now what I do this is my business now is, is books and helping people. wow so that takes a lot of confidence to like take a book somebody's idea and like put it into a book, 
did you know about the process of nonfiction, like the structure and all that before before you got started or did you say yes and you were like I'll figure it out <laughs> I, I knew I knew a little bit because I'd read I mean I, I'm a, a voracious reader as, mm-hmm. as I'm sure your listeners will all be as well you know yeah. writers are, are, are readers so I have done a lot of reading and since I started my own business I've read a lot of non-fiction books so I'm familiar I was always familiar with kind of the structure and how these things worked and, and all the rest of it but when it came to actually writing the book it was a very 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 big learning curve so yeah <laughs> it was it was fun but it was kind of terrifying yeah I guess when you're doing it for someone else like you have a deadline right and you just you got to do the best that you can do like uh what was the book about it was about um electrical recycling actually um it was it was for a company that recycled toner cartridges um um, but was also on a on a mission to show the world what a what a ripoff it is when you've got the big companies that produce toner cartridges and they're like oh you can only use our toner cartridges which is a lie designed to keep people buying their stuff and it just so their goal was to create this circular economy and to kind of help just help help make the planet you know better and nicer and cleaner and so that was that was why they wanted to write this book it was it was partly because they wanted to draw in more clients for their Mm -hmm. recycling business but also because they wanted to raise awareness about what was going on in in this area of business and so it was something that I I know a little bit about because I've been copywriting for them but I didn't know enough to write a book and so um so it was just a really interesting process that is fascinating actually I I love it when people can highlight how we're being ripped off (laughs) and how I can not be ripped off anymore so more power to them do you think that copywriting like copywriting is a whole different skill do you think Mm -hmm. than most other kinds of maybe I don't know traditional writing or it's definitely different than writing a book is very different. Yeah. Copywriting is basically salesmanship in print is, is a good definition of it. And it is, it's an entirely different genre from creative nonfiction, which is what I focus on now. And, and kind of essay writing and journalistic writing is, is very different. It has one aim and that is to, you know, if, if I was being cynical, it would be to extract money from people. But, you know, <laughs> the, the, at the heart of copywriting really is to help people make decisions about what they want to buy. So right. at its best, it should be helpful. That, that is what it should be. And there's, there's an awful lot of marketing copy out there that is kind of pukey and makes you feel a little bit sick but there's also an awful lot of really good stuff out there and that was the stuff that I enjoyed um I just didn't really enjoy the whole online business experience and you know how I could I could go on a, on a big tangent but it's just I wanted to do something I wanted to do something bigger and I wanted to do something different from what I was doing with copywriting right of course but when you are writing like creative nonfiction, so I'm I'm taking a class now on that because you'd think that you could easily go from fiction writing to creative nonfiction. And I am not finding that to be the case, <laughs> okay. but I'm, I'm seeing that creative nonfiction. It, it's like, you have to be a little more concise. You know, you want to sort of maybe par down on your word usage. You know, you're really looking for like the word that embodies five words instead of, you know, you're writing almost for I don't want to say like a higher education level, but it's just like a different level on that. Do you think that that maybe I'm just confusing myself? Do you find it that way, or do you? <laughs> um, I I don't know. It's definitely different. Um, and you're writing for a different purpose in that fiction is purely for entertainment, mm, and nonfiction um is 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 not. Although I would still say, you know, if your nonfiction is not entertaining, then no you're, you're, not, you're, you're doing something wrong because yeah exactly and that's true of copywriting that's true of any writing it's like an entertaining doesn't have to be like you know ha 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 it's, it's something you know it's something to 
that we enjoy or that moves us or makes us think or you know something like that so yeah I would say that it is it is different from fiction in that respect but there's a lot of crossover as well I, okay. I would say because I'm actually studying for a master's degree at the moment in creative nonfiction, and one of my modules was poetry oh wow because I've really studied poetry and so I have actually found I've, I've fallen in love with, with poetry for a start and I did not expect to um, with writing it and, re- and reading it but also I found there's an awful lot of crossover between poetry and non-fiction and people who have done a fiction module have found that there's been a lot of crossover between their two because a lot of writing techniques are similar and you know it's it's all about imagery we're creating yeah. pictures in people's minds we're telling a story and that's that storytelling is storytelling is storytelling whatever True. whatever genre we're doing it in so I would say that there's a lot of crossover, but also I think in fiction you, you've got you've got a bit more scope to do some world building and you know that, right. that kind of thing that you maybe don't have so much scope to do in, in creative nonfiction. That's true. Creative nonfiction is really focused, like zeroed in on a, a certain theme, I guess. Yeah, it can be. Okay, so you went you go through this book and you kind of wanted to find something else other than copywriting. Did you decide at first, like, were you going to be a ghostwriter? Or did you decide that you would rather teach them to write their, their own book? First, I was going to be a ghostwriter. That was what I was going to do. I thought, okay. oh, I should be a ghostwriter. But you did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Yeah, I did enjoy okay. it to start with. And I found it easier than writing my... Because after I wrote that one, I thought, right, I'm going to write my own book. And um, so I did with the gentle butt kicking of my mentoring group. Um, I stood up in front of them. I said, I'm going to write this book. And then I had to do it. So I did it. I found it easier to ghostwrite for somebody else, partly because of deadlines. And, you know, it was... My, yep. my pay depended on actually delivering the goods and it it was enjoyable to kind of learn about different subjects and things so I did a couple of ghostwriting projects I had a couple of people ask if I would teach them how to do it so I created a course and and then somebody asked me to mentor them and I just thought yeah because by this point I had quite a lot of books under my belt and and so I felt like I was in a, a position to do that and that's what I discovered I really really loved so I don't do very much ghostwriting these days because it's an enormous undertaking. I mean, anyone who has mm-hmm. written a book of their own knows how big a task it is to write a book. And to write a book for somebody else brings a whole extra set of challenges as well. And so right. I, I do still do it occasionally. But what I really, really love to do is to take someone and work with someone who has an idea and they, they're not quite sure if their idea is good or if it's clear they don't quite have clarity or validation on it and just help them go from, I've kind of got this idea to... I made this thing that I've got in my hand. And that for me is what brings me joy. I love, I love seeing people go through that process. Cause it's not just the process of having the book written. It's also this kind of process of discovery of who they are and what they're capable of. And often people will come out the other end and be like, wow, I had no idea I could do that. What else can I do? You know? And it just opens yeah. up a whole new world for them. And it's very exciting. That is really amazing. I mean, I can, I can sort of relate, I guess, to that. I think no matter what you do, you you have an idea and trying to get it out, like you said, into book format is it it's much more difficult than you think at the beginning <laughs> because you have these characters or you have a storyline or you have an idea in your head. You think, right. So, you know, you start here and I'll just tell them how to get to point B. And and it doesn't always happen like that. No, so- a lot of times you you sit at the the blank page and like, I don't know where to start. Yeah. And sometimes you just, it's just a case of somebody looking at it from the outside and going, mm-hmm. have you tried this? And that, you know, just, okay. just from taking that step back, because you're so in the middle of, of, and I'm sure you found this when you're writing, it's like, you're so in the middle of it. And like you just said, it's like, oh, I don't really know where to start. I don't know where to go next. And if, if you can find someone who has the ability to kind of just stand back, whether that's a coach or just like a writing colleague, someone in your writing group who just says, 
have you tried that? Because they might have seen something that you can't see because it's, you know, too close to you. So do you, do you find that usually when people are stuck, it's because they don't have someone else to sort of bounce their ideas or their, their questions off of, like they need to find more of a, a coach or a writing group? I mean, sometimes, yeah, I, I think, I do think you can write a book on your own. Um, I have done it. Uh, it wasn't the best book I've written. Um, and I, I wouldn't do it again without a group of people to kind of, to bounce bounce ideas off so I would never say oh you have to have a coach you have to have a mentor I do think you need people around you whether that's like writing buddies people that you trust people that you can bounce ideas off because the idea that the idea that we can see everything from within our bubble is it's just not reasonable and it puts an awful Mm. lot of pressure on yourself as well to to sort of think oh I have to do this thing I have to do it on my own I have to be able to see all of the all of the things and you know see all of the possibilities and quite often if you get another perspective that person will help you to see stuff that you would never have thought of before that maybe you know oh have you thought of adding this thing in or I'm not really sure that thing works and this is why and it can just give you a whole new perspective on what you're writing it's incredibly valuable plus of course there's the cheerleaders at the side because we've all had yes. the time right when we're writing a book where we're like I never want to see this thing again <laughs> <laughs> yes yes I yes I've been there absolutely but in I think you know with fiction my experience is you a lot of times probably with nonfiction too I would say I haven't tried to write a book so I've done essays or things you kind of have an ending in mind I would think with fiction, it would be very difficult or nonfiction. I'm sorry. It would be difficult to not add in all the things that you know. So if you're an expert on a topic, you know, it's almost like it's hard to teach something that you know so well. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you give when people find themselves just, you know, writing a tome instead of a a nice (laughs) book that most of us can understand? That is such a common problem and that is that is something that I, I don't think I've worked with anyone who hasn't had that problem with that, that kind okay. of ballooning and mushrooming it's like oh I, I need to get all of the things out of my head and put them in here the first thing I say to people is this doesn't have to be your only book there are other books out there that you can write and you know a lot of the ideas that you're having will be brilliant for other books so that's that's the first thing is like kind of remind people that this isn't their one and only chance to publish a book there are others also that not everything belongs in a book you know some things mm-hmm. some things are better taught in different ways some things are better shared in different ways but I, I basically get them to, to think about you know they, they usually start off with quite a woolly idea it's a good idea mm-hmm. but it's quite woolly and that's what gets people thinking about the kitchen sink everything goes into it um, so then we, we start thinking about narrowing down so you know okay what within this idea this big woolly idea about you know say penguins we can't just write a book entirely about about penguins or about all seabirds for example so it's like okay well which is your favorite seabird penguins okay cool well what aspects of you know what type of penguin there's a lot of penguins out there maybe you want to write about the penguins that live in South Africa because they're quite unusual so it's it's that kind that's very simplistic but it's that kind of yeah narrow focus down on you know what what is really this important message what is this message that's burning its way out of you that you feel is important enough to invest in writing a book because writing a book ain't easy it takes a lot of time it's a massive thing to do so what specifically about this message is so important that you are willing to do this thing that most people want okay. to do and kind That's of put it, and put it in the book so I, I get people to think about that and then I get them to think about the reader you know who are you writing this for why are you writing the book why is the message important and who are you writing it for and what do you want them to get out of it because once you've got that reader journey that gives you a start and finish point and anything that doesn't directly take you from here to here maybe doesn't belong in the book so that helps you to narrow it down as well yeah and to take out what you 
find is going off. What what do you find is beneficial to writing a book? Like with all the sort of medias that we have out there, why do you think we still love books and turn to books? Because they're just such wonderful things, aren't they? I, know that's, <laughs> I mean, you and I agree on this and I'm glad others do too. But you know, it, it is curious that that's sort of something that's still beneficial, that you still see business people and others who might endeavor on this non nonfiction writing that that a book is worth writing yeah and that's you know that is a really good question because in the age of digital where everything is kind of instant why would you put all of this time and effort into writing a book um there's a couple of reasons first and foremost I think because we really do place a little bit more weight on physical books than we do on anything mm. else because they're tangible they're things that we can hold in our hands and so they're more real to us and um, even kindle books like if I read a great book on kindle i will probably go and buy it in hard in like paper version as Me well too. yeah yes. <laughs> and i think a lot of people listening to this will probably say the same it's like if i really love this book i'm going to get it because i want to have it i want to touch it and hold it it's a thing that will last and even though the digital world yeah okay all of this stuff is going to last the internet's not going anywhere a book is there, it's in front of you and it's difficult to forget about. So I can send all of the newsletters and write all the blogs in the world. They will be forgotten next by the next article that comes through. And yeah, okay, some of them might be remembered. I know that, you know, people save some of the stuff that I write online and that's great. But a book is, you know, those books on my shelf, I see them every day. I might not look at them that closely every day, but I know that if there's a topic I want to go and read about, I could go down a Google wormhole and learn everything there is to know about starfish instead that's of the thing that I want to learn. But if I go to my bookshop, I know that there is a book there to read. Um, and right. finally, and this is like rightly or wrongly, um, we still put authors on a bit of a pedestal, you know, people who can say right. they've written a book doesn't make them better people or cleverer people or smarter people than people who haven't written a book. But there's still a part of us that thinks, oh my goodness, that person wrote a book, therefore they must really know what they're talking about. And, you know, unless you have written, and I, ha I have strong feelings about the kind of write your bestseller in a weekend type books, but unless you have done that kind of thing, if you've put the time and effort into write a book with you know a couple of hundred pages you are an expert in what you do if you know enough to fill a book and it's not just fluff and filler then you know you are somebody who has something to say that is worth listening to so for me that's a, that's a sign you know a book is a sign that you know enough to fill a book <laughs> it's a bit of a circular argument but yeah no that's true though and you know enough to really stick with it and you have faith in it I guess to stick in it because it is true now that you're saying that like how many times do you open up an article or a blog and you you know it's full of SEO more than it is of information because they just keep sort of repeating the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And I do think that we, I think for rightly so, we, we you know, still put people who take the time to write a book a little bit up because most likely you're not spending as much time on a blog post as you do on a chapter. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. except for the very rare people who do write a book in a weekend, and we don't want to talk about them. <laughs> they are a strange breed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's, 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 you know, there's a, you know, what people can do what they want to do. That that's cool. But I am much more interested in working with people. I'm reading the books from people who have put a bit more time and effort into it. It's like. I, you know, I think there's a lot of advice flying around out there. Oh, you can write your bestseller in 30 days and all the rest of it. And you just can't, you know, it's, it's not possible yeah. to do that because yes, you could possibly write a really rubbish first draft in 30 days, but that's yeah. not a book. And so I've, I, I think that's quite a misleading thing to promise people. Um, and it gives people this idea that, oh, you can just kind of chuck it out. And also that 
you know, it takes time to articulate your ideas properly. You know, writing mm. is thinking. And my first draft is often just me getting all of my thoughts down. My second draft is me figuring out, actually, what do I think about this? What are my opinions? How can I back them up? Are they well argued? Are they well backed? You know, is it worth somebody investing that? You know, some reading up and again strong feelings it's like if somebody is going to invest their time and energy into reading something that i've written i want to make sure it's worth that time and energy because even if the book only costs 20 quid or whatever that's still you know hours and hours of their life that they're giving to me and i owe them a really good read (laughs) um a really a really useful read and i i think that that is worth thinking about as well so if you have put the time and effort into writing a book i think even if people even if readers don't consciously realize that subconsciously they do it's like oh this person has put the care and attention into this book Mm -hmm. it's not just that they're an expert but they put the care and attention into doing you know all of the stuff that goes into writing a book the editing the production all the rest of it and actually thinking this through well enough to put it into you know a tree-based medium yeah yeah so what do you give advice to people when they are are with that first draft because I do know like the first draft is probably the one that really is is probably if you get finished with it most likely you're going to go on to finish the book you know that's not always the case but I do think it's the first draft where a lot of people will give up and I think it's because I like what you said the first draft is not a book and that's an interesting way to think of it because a lot of times when you say you're writing you'll say I'm writing a book which you're really writing a first draft (laughs) you know and so Maybe that's why we get kind of hung up with my first draft looks nothing like the books on my shelf <laughs> and then we give up. So what what do you tell people during this first draft process? So I try and get you said something really interesting. It's like you're not writing a book, you're writing a first draft. That's 100% true. And I do try and remind people of that. It's like if you sit down to write a book, you will fail because that's enormous. That's like setting out to run a marathon having never done any training. It's just, it's just a ludicrous thing to try and do. So, you know, I have a saying everything in tiny beetle steps is like because sometimes even baby steps are too big it's like Anna Lamott's word uh, bird by bird you know it's it's literally word by word that's that's what we do yeah Um, and so I just remind people that the literally the only thing a first draft has to do is exist it is perfect in its existence because that is all it has to do it doesn't have to be read by anybody else ever and probably probably shouldn't be it just has to exist because once you've got that you can do anything with it you can turn it into something that is, is going to be really really readable so I kind of try and remind people that you know in the evolution of everything that was great there was a time when it was total crap <laughs> nothing <laughs> ever arrived fully formed and wonderful right so you have to give yourself permission to create nonsense before you can turn it into something good because there is nobody in the world and I, I you know I, I suffer from this whenever I've got blank page syndrome and I, I can't get started I sit, I sit there and I say, am I trying to write a perfect first sentence? Yes, of course I am. And that's a stupid thing to do. You know, I'm not. And how arrogant is that? That I can just sit down and produce a perfect first draft out of nowhere. <laughs> um, of course I can't. So it's that kind of humbling myself to remind myself that, you know, it's okay for this to be rubbish. That's it. In fact, it's perfect. As it, if it's rubbish, it's perfect because then I can, it's, I like to think of it as a compost heap, you know? <laughs> okay. Literal poo from which wonderful things will grow. <laughs> You can tell you have a farming background. You're like, I know exactly where this is going. We do get our food from that. So when you're, I mean, I like this idea and it is a, it is a bit of an ego trip to sit down and think like, 
usually when you are getting restless and you're looking at the only 300 words that you have and the cursor still blinking, the cursors never blink anymore, but they do in my brain because, you know, I'm from, <laughs> that's wow. what they did at the first. <laughs> and like, okay, where am I going with this? Would you, do you suggest then that the first draft really to let go of the outline or whatever conceptions you had of what it is and literally get whatever ideas you have? onto the page at that point? Yeah, so I get people to do an exercise um, and I do this quite often as well. If they really, if they're like really stuck and they don't know what to write, I say, write about that. Just write, I don't know what to write. I'm supposed to be writing this chapter about this and I can't write it. And here is why I think I can't write it. And this is useful for two reasons. First, it makes a mark on the paper, which breaks the spell. And Mm -hmm. second, it gets you to dig into why you're struggling to write in the first place. It's like, what is it about this particular chapter that you're struggling with? Maybe, Maybe you are just trying to write the perfect first sentence, in which case you've already dealt with it by writing about why you can't write but actually maybe it will reveal something a bit deeper it's like do you know enough do you need to go and do a bit more research actually for this chapter Mm. do you need to go and think a little bit more about how this chapter is going to be structured or you know does even does even this chapter belong in the book at all is it something you know is is that why you can't write about it um so there's that that exercise I find to be really really useful because it can it it breaks a spell and it gives you something to start with it's like why am I struggling with this the other thing that I get people to do is I've got a bunch of writing games and things and I just get people to just start off and be silly. So, you know, make up words, write, like one of my favorites is write a biography of your table lamp or any other inanimate object that's that's sitting in front of you. Or imagine what your cat would say if it was watching you sit here struggling to write, you know, that just that kind of thing. And again, it's just to loosen up and to let go of that need to be Mm -hmm. perfect and to let go of the need to write something really good. It's like, actually, I'm giving you permission to go and play on the piece of paper and play with your creativity and see what pops out. And that it, it counts as you working towards your book. I think that's yeah. also the thing is like, okay, I have to write this 50,000 word thing and I'm trying to get the words ticked off so that it's done because it's so like, we want to resist so much the hard part of it. Right. Yeah. So, so you actually tell them to write it within the first draft, like leave it there. Just I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily get them to leave it there unless they're, like the writing game turns into something it quite often it can turn mm. into something that is then useful and it's like yeah you can just delete this the silliness you know the jabberwocky type stuff mm-hmm. you can take that out but if it turns into something leave it in there and I think as well the other reason I like people to do that is because writing a book is really hard but also it doesn't have to be miserable and it shouldn't be miserable right. And if you are miserable when you're writing, your readers will for sure be able to tell when they're reading. <laughs> so I think, again, it takes a little bit of that pressure off. If you can be mm-hmm. a bit playful with it, even if you're writing about a very serious subject, you can still be playful with it and, you know, see what you can do. You know, how can I make this fun? Not necessarily the last draft is going to be fun to read, if, if the, mm-hmm. depending on the subject matter, but have a bit of a play with it now while nobody else can see, you know, while you're writing with the door closed, as Stephen King says. Right. But have a bit of a play with it and see what what comes out because it will spark ideas that you might not otherwise have had and trains of thought that you might not otherwise have had that might fit really well within the book okay and so you're you're working with people a lot of times I I'm supposing they're first-time book writers right that they come to you with this idea I mean you have this whole list of of different areas you know from dog training to landscaping to financials I mean you have like all these different authors you've worked with So how do you get them to find their voice? Because in the writing world, your voice is like this big thing. that (laughs) There's lots of books written about it, but 
I would imagine people come and they have a sort of deadline, right? On when they want to do that. And they're not, maybe they haven't written a lot mm-hmm. in a while. So how do you go from someone who's training dogs to like, oh, I'm going to sit down and write a book and point of view and, you know, narrative. And how do you, you know, they probably don't know those words and don't care to. Exactly. And I try not to use those words with people who are not, who don't consider themselves to be writers. I mean, they are writers if they've written a book, of course they are, but if they don't consider themselves to be writers, I try not to use those words with them. And one of the other things I do, and I learned this hard lesson early on in my coaching career is I don't force people to work in any particular way because that's mm. not useful. And so if, if, like dog dog walks is a good example. They're out and about all the time. They don't spend a lot of time behind a desk. They're in the fresh air. And so me saying to one of my dog walking or dog dog training clients, you're going to sit down behind a desk for four hours a day. That's not going to work for them for a variety of reasons. Right. So writing is not just about typing words on paper. It's also about speaking into voice notes and then playing with what you've got. So there's, there's a lot of different ways that I get people to write a book. That was just one of them. Um, you, you talked about kind of finding your voice. I think there's 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 a lot of interesting stuff out there about finding your voice. I think there's also a lot of unhelpful stuff out there about finding your voice because yeah. we all have a voice. And yeah. it's more about the confidence to use it in the format of a book that I think people struggle with. Mm-hmm. And so I get them to think about, you know, I, I get them, I get them to almost interview themselves or I will you know if they're a private coaching okay. client I will interview them and I will ask them you know why are you writing this book what's this message and then I will tell them to go away and listen to the recording that we've just made and turn that into part of their book because often when people okay. sit down to write it's like this wall goes up and it's like oh now I'm in writing mode and I am writing person instead yes. of the real human and so if, if I can have a conversation with someone and get them you know I will watch them get animated I'll watch them light up when they're talking about the thing that they care about I'm like that that's the energy we need to bring to your book. So go back and listen to this and pull out the words and the phrases that you used. You can tidy it up later, but that's, that is then the basis of, of that kind of first draft is, is getting people to open up and, and leave behind this idea that you have to sit down and become a writer. It's like, no, no, no. This is about getting your message and your story out there, however that mm. works for you. Yeah, to come to the desk, more you. But I, I do think that we, most of our... Um, probably experience writing has been as, you know, handing it into a professor. (laughs) So we've always sort of put on that hat of like, oh no, I need a good grade. And that probably just unconsciously comes back to us or like, you know, somebody might critique this book and I want it to sound, you know, more ethereal than maybe who I am or whatever. And really what's going to attract people to your book is you, is your voice, right? How you're teaching or how you're talking. Exactly. Yeah. And I found that with a, I can think of two clients, actually. One of them was told at school that he was terrible English and like a love of reading was knocked out of him and a love of writing was knocked out of him. And so he really struggled to, he was, he was really worried. He was really worried that his book was going to be terrible because that's, what he had been led to expect and so it was a real challenge to get him to trust his own voice and his own knowledge and his own stories enough and he was a great storyteller as well so that that was quite a challenge but he he got there and his book's coming out um any minute now he assures me so <laughs> so that's exciting that's amazing and then there was um my other client who was a, a doctor and so was very used to writing very academic stuff and the challenge with her was to get her to trust 
her own story and her own opinion because yes the research and stuff is all very important but that doesn't mean it has to be presented like an academic paper it can be presented in mm. storytelling fashion so that challenge there was to like you said let go of that academic way of doing things and move more into the storytelling realm okay so you've talked a bit about how you still have to have some storytelling in the nonfiction. so what exactly does that mean to any listener that's like thinking maybe strict academic <laughs> as as nonfiction goes so yeah that's a really good question I mean and I would start by saying that if your creative nonfiction isn't the story is it's not going to do its job because one of the and I actually have a big bugbear with academic writing and um, textbooks as well because if they're boring people are not going to read them and a lot of them are boring yes they are I hope that that is I hope that that is changing now. But if you think about how we learn, how we've always learned before we had mm-hmm. writing, before we had books, um, it was all oral tradition. It was all storytelling. It was the right. only way. And from a kind of more modern point of view, if you think about how we remember things now, what what's the memorable stuff? What are the things that you remember? You know, if you look at charities, they're a really good example. If, if charities send you a letter telling you that, you know, 53,000 people died in a natural disaster, you'll kind of look at that and go, oh, that's terrible. And then you'll carry on with your day. If they tell you about one little boy who's lost his his family and is trying to find, you know, is trying to find a new family and he's having all these personal struggles, you will be like, I want to help that child. And that's the right. difference. It's like the the facts of the story haven't changed. They can still talk about the thousands, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people that are, that are struggling. But until you make it personal with the story, mm-hmm. we just don't care. We can't. We're not designed to. That's not the way humans mm-hmm. are wired. We're not wired that way. We need, we need that personal connection. So for me, I will always say to people, yes, the facts are important. Of course they are. You need to get your facts right. You need to get your research done. But that's all backup for the story that is going to really make people connect and pay attention and that's what's really going to make the difference in the end and that goes for textbooks and all the rest of it as well it's like hook us in with the story weave the facts into it and that's where the skill comes in it's like how do you take the facts and the research and the information and make it personal and turn it into a story that people want to read but and that story obeys the same rules that the stories that you write in fiction obey there is only you know there's only one way to tell story there are many stories but there's only one way one structure to tell it that in, in which it will work really mm-hmm. well so um, and that applies to non-fiction as much as it does to fiction yeah I have to say I, I stayed away from non-fiction as a reader for a really long time because I didn't want to read any more academic non-fiction you know and I most non-fictions that I finish are ones that weave in story because it holds my attention more it's just I want to know more about whatever they're trying to inform me about. I want to know how it impacted another person or animal or the world or whatever. I want those stories. I want the chapter to start out something and then just dive into the story because you feel like it's not hard. <laughs> you know, like I can learn without it. Yeah. My brain using all my calories up, you know? And that's, no, that's a really good point. Reading shouldn't be hard. It should make you think. And I, I'm mm-hmm. really you know, I'm a firm believer that reading should make you think and it should change your view of the world. Otherwise, what's the point and, and kind of challenge you. But it shouldn't be hard in terms of, you know, struggling to keep your attention and, you know, needing a thesaurus next to you to to look up really, really <laughs> difficult words. It, it shouldn't it shouldn't get in the way of the message being imparted. And I think that that's, that's sometimes what can happen with, with the less interesting nonfiction. But I, I don't know if you've read The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, but that is a fantastic example okay. of really, really great nonfiction storytelling. And he's 
he's written this kind of treatise about habits and you know how our brains work and why they work the way they work that's his book is why James Clear wrote Atomic Habits I don't know if you've okay yes I've read that one yeah and so and so that's a perfect example and he does exactly what you said is he starts each chapter with a story he ends each chapter with a story and the whole thing is a story but it's teaching us about how our brains work at the same time that's actually very encouraging I would think to people who have worked in a certain field all their life, whether it be medicine or finance or whatever, because you must have a lot of stories to tell, you know, of success, of failure, whether it's you or someone else. And so being allowed to use those stories must help to sort of break down that, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to write about? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, the number of people who I talk to and they say, oh, I haven't got anything interesting to say, and then I'll start talking to them. And I'm like, you've just told me 13 interesting things in the space of five minutes about yourself. And we we all think that because we live our own lives, that our stories aren't that interesting because they're not to us because they're just our lives. But to other people, we're, you know, we're nosy. We're super nosy, right? We want to know everything we can possibly know about other human beings because that's, that's the way we are wired. That's what evolution has done to us. So it's like, if, if you can tell a story about yourself and your life, and make it relatable mm-hmm. to me, then I'm going to want to know all about it. Otherwise, you know, reality TV shows would not be as popular as they are. Because on the surface of it, they sound, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like on the surface of it, it's like, how can that be interesting just watching a bunch of people go about their day-to-day life? And yet millions watch it every day. <laughs> and yet we do this. Yes. And now we do it even like for amateurs, you know, on the internet. <laughs> Constantly walking around. <laughs> yes, we really are nosy. We are like, you know, each individual, the gossip of the neighborhood, basically. <laughs> like, yeah. What, yeah. Are, what are you doing over there? Why are you doing that? I need to know, you know, because maybe they're doing it better than you and they, you need to fix whatever it yeah, is what that you're doing. from that person. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So when somebody comes, you, you sort of have two different methods. You've said you have private clients and then you have I'm sorry, I'm bringing up this, uh, the Moxie Writers Power Hour. So what is the difference kind of with coaching when somebody needs one-on-one, when they need like group? How do you sort of differentiate that? Yeah, so that's a good question. So I work with a small number of private clients and that's like a six-month coaching program and it's designed to take people from kind of big idea to more or less ready to publish depending on how fast they work. Okay. And there's wow, six months is pretty good. Yeah, I say I say more or less it's usually kind of ready to start doing like the detailed editing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Some people are faster, some people are less fast. But yeah, that's that's for, for people who who kind of are like, I'm gonna need a lot of attention, I'm gonna need your eyes on my stuff. It's um it's you know, it's it's quite detailed. Then there are people who would do better in a group. So I've got my Weird and Wonderful Book Society, and that's like a, a bunch of authors who are all coming together for three months to write as much as they can of their first draft. And I usually okay. say, you know, 40,000 words is doable. Yeah. And that's really good fun. That's brought the most amazing books out um, and has forged some really good friendships as well. So that's really good for people who want a bit of extra support. And then my power hours are just, they're just live writing sessions. So it's like, this is your dedicated time in the day um, because we're all busy, right? And Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, when am I going to find time to write? Yeah, here is where you find time to write. This is your hour a day. Some people come to two per day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon in the UK. 
And it's just it's just a space for you to come and write. And we do sometimes have little Q&As. We have a little chat beforehand. Sometimes I'll share a writing tip or something. Sometimes people will just ask about their writing. or And it's not just me answering either. It's like this incredible group of people from like a wide range of backgrounds who are all bouncing ideas off each other and answering each other's questions and helping each other out. And it's, it's an amazing little community. Yeah, it's like it's a, it's a really awesome little writer's circle. And I, I recommend everybody find themselves one of those because it's just it's like even on the days where I think oh I'd rather not be doing this this morning I've come away from those calls just feeling uplifted you know and mm-hmm. supported and, and they're not even for me they're for well I guess they are for me but they're for they're for the people who come and, and join in so yeah if you're going to do nothing else if people who are listening and thinking that I'm, I'm going to write a book if, you're, if you do nothing else find yourself an amazing group of people who lift you up and support you and cheer you on whether you invest money in it or not doesn't matter so find the people that you can surround yourself with and that you can trust to help you out in this book writing journey because it is not easy it's not easy to yeah. do it alone and I, I assume that you work with a lot of people who have like a daytime job or whether it's daytime or nighttime that they have a full-time job and so have you found that that's helpful to them in order to find that time to actually sit down and write the book yeah, I have actually. It's, it's really interesting because most of the people that I work with run their own businesses because that's kind of where I started out was helping, mm-hmm. helping people with their, their marketing and stuff. But like I can give you a really good example of somebody who's been in my world for so many so many years and she when I first I started the power hours in um, lockdown actually in 2020 just yes. after everything kicked <laughs> off and it was an amazing it's one of the best things I've done but um but she said you know I I come along at the seven o'clock in the morning ones and then my day is set up you know my day is set up from then I've I've then got a structure to my day I know what I'm doing even if I even if I don't even if the rest of the day goes to pot I know that I've got in those hours I've got you know the work done that I wanted and not everybody is writing their books in them some people are writing their newsletters their blog posts some people are working on their books some people are working on different things but it's just like that dedicated time for you to do work that matters to you without feeling guilty about it or feeling like you have to cram it in somewhere else yes because there's nothing worse than the day going by because time is the one thing we can't get back and you think I I didn't do what I wanted to do so a lot of people are small business owners like you are Mm-hmm. or their own business owners, right? And so you you mentioned like they're doing newsletters or blog posts or things. And do you talk to them about how their book will integrate into all these little things that go along with their business? Yeah, definitely. Because all of those things are, you know, they're, they're ways that they can support the the book itself, the marketing of the book once, once it's written. It's like, yeah, talk about it. Tell people Tell people you're working on it now. Show people behind the scenes. I'm a big fan of like, you know, we, we're, like I said, we're nosy. We love to see how things are made. So if you've got yeah. stuff that was going to be in your book, but it's no longer going to be in your book, it's not mm. wasted. Turn it into a blog post or something and use it as an outtake, you know, a behind the scenes kind of thing. So yeah, I do talk to them about that. And then also other people in the group are at least as knowledgeable as me, if not, you know, some of them more so about marketing. And so they'll, they'll be able to kind of answer questions and give advice and, and tips and things on, you know, what, what could we do with this blog strategy? How about this, this email marketing strategy? And yeah, it, it all kind of mixes in together, but definitely for the authors out there. Yeah. I, I, I don't, we definitely talk about how to, how to bring it all together. Yeah. I think that's one of the most wonderful things about when you find a group that's sort of gone through a hard thing, whether you've done it together at the same time or just, you know, each one of you has done that. Like once you all are like in the midst of writing a book or you finished a book, you're like, I know, 
I know it's okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm sure sometimes you get the book done and you're like, okay, well now, especially now during lockdown, you know, I'm hopefully we're all going to get out of it and stay out of it. But it's like, okay, I have this book and now I have to go, like, nobody knows. <laughs> it's just sitting there. I need to go tell people about it. Yeah. And that can be scarier than actually writing the book. Cause it's like, it's, it's going to the world and saying, I made this thing. I made this art. Will you, will you, will you like it? And it's, that's horrifying. You know, I'm going to be the first to say that that is even now after the number of books I've written and the number of newsletters I've put out and the number of blog posts I've written, I still feel a little bit sick publishing something new because what if everyone hates it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. It is. A, it's a small part of yourself. So it is very, very wonderful that you have a group that can sort of come around you. And I do, I do like it, that advice that you're giving people. It's like, yeah, somebody, at least one person to come around and be like, no, it's, it's good. It's good what you're doing and you got to keep going. Yeah. Do you want to tell us how you learned how to be on a trapeze? Because <laughs> this is one of your superpowers that I find amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> completely off subject. <laughs> no, that's cool. I mean, you know, there aren't many book coaches who can also do trapeze. So that's, that's good. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I honestly started off in a, in a job many moons ago. And one of my colleagues said, this is a pole dancing class. Do you fancy giving it a go? And I was like, yeah, okay. And she came to one class and I never left. <laughs> and so I had been pole dancing for about eight years or so. And then I found a trapeze class and I thought, well, that looks like fun and never stopped doing that either. And now trapeze is my, I still do pole dancing, but trapeze is my, is my true love now. Um, that, that's, that's what I do. Um, I enter competitions sometimes. I like to, I love to perform total introvert, but put me on a stage and I am, I love being up there in the spotlight, but yeah, it's just, it's just great. It's, and again, it feeds into the writing. So it's a creative mm-hmm. exercise. Um, it's, I create things on the trapeze and quite often I will come up with ideas to write about while I'm up there. So that's amazing. You must have a very strong core because I've seen women like on the pole and they just put their legs out straight and you think, how in the world are you? Our bodies are like, (laughs) that's called an iron X. Um, and I used to be able to do it, but over lockdown, I got a bit soft and squishy. So, um, I cannot, cannot any longer do an iron X, but yeah, I do. I do have a pretty good core. Yeah. (laughs) That's nice. Okay. I'm going to have to go find one of these classes. <laughs> if you guys want to find Vicky and a beautiful picture of her on the trapeze, um, I will have her moxiebooks.co.uk in the show notes below. And if you want to work with her or find out more about her, her groups or her power hours, that is probably the best place for them to go to. Yeah, definitely. I'm also on Instagram at Tiny Beetle Steps um, is a good place to find me. And I'm on LinkedIn. Come and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm they're making trouble and misbehaving. So, <laughs> in the very serious LinkedIn, very you serious. will find a breath of fresh air with Vicky. <laughs> I'll have those links in the show notes below. Um, thank you so much, Vicky, for coming in and talking to us today. Oh, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've had a really lovely time. Thank you so much for inviting me. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, 
you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.